0: Welcome to the Practice Marketing Podcast, highlighting successful strategies from North America's fastest-growing clinics and experts so you can learn from their wins and power your practice growth. Hi, I'm your host, Neil Triggett, CEO of Practice Promotions. And today we're going to talk about if you're tired of patient cancellations and drop-offs, we're going to talk about how to fix them. So we have a good friend of mine, D Bills, with Front Office Guru. Um, she is one of the leading experts here in training front offices And uh, she's created the uh, Front Office Training Academy and also the founder of Front Office Guru. She's going to talk to us today about how to build a winning front desk team. Uh, Dee's actually built training systems and processes in her own physical therapy practice, uh, resulting in consistent arrivals over 95% and a growth rate of over 300%. So now she actually takes what she's dialed in and trains uh, many other practices uh, in improving their front desk team and crucially, how not to lose money on cancellations and dropped off clients. So welcome, Dee. Great to have you on the show here.
1: Yeah, thanks, Neil. I'm really excited. This is, I enjoy, I enjoy spreading the word and helping people. So I'm excited to do this today.
0: Yeah, and we've had some great conversations before in regards to that front desk. And, you know, if we could just tell our audience here, why is that front desk just one of the most important positions in the practice?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, if you consider it, they're they're that first, last and main point of contact with every patient that comes through your practice. They hear things that the patient may not be interested or willing to say in front of their therapist. They don't want to hurt their feelings. They and they, you know, they are in charge of both your schedule control and in many cases your income, right? Because they're collecting what's due, they're handling that. And so there's just a lot of touch points at the front desk that really affect your overall revenue and growth as a practice.
0: Yeah, it really is that uh, you know, that sales position in your practice. And you've got marketing, you've got operations, you got billing, but the sales component is really the front desk because they're selling the person on coming in for their appointment, right? And making their appointments there. So I just think it's such a critical part of a practice. And it's an area that I'd say practice owners probably don't put as much attention on as they should. And you you probably see that, right?
1: Yeah, I look at it, you know, I mean, I went to PT school, I learned how to be a PT, I mastered that craft, I thought I knew how to be a manager. Uh, and When I entered Mike's practice, it was just a whole new ball game because there was that entity there that I never learned in school, I didn't learn how to manage my front desk, I didn't learn how to help them to produce better. And it was something I had to both learn and then reproduce with a team.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So you've, you've worked with a lot of practice owners. And, you know, what would you say, like on average, like what do you think they're losing from their front desk?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at there's two parts to look at that. It's the size of the practice, right? The bigger you yeah. get, the more the more harder you can fall, right? <laughs> um or the more you can lose revenue wise. But if you look at the average, you know smaller average size PT practice, mom and pop, you know, if you're just looking at cancels and no shows, it's anywhere from fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year if you're not hitting that you know, 95, 97% arrival rate. So just looking at arrival rate alone, that's about what you're losing. If you look at that whole encompassing and you look at, you know, okay, great. I have a marketer and they're I'm investing all this money in marketing, right? So there's money out to market. Are we converting all of those shopper calls that come in? If you're not, you know, you have to look at every lost eval that's not converted to a scheduled and arriving eval. Well, yeah. that's a whole plan of care. So that could be $1,000 um, on average for that they're probably losing five to 10 potential patients a week. So now you've got potential patients that you're losing. Um, You know, and then you're talking about collections, and then you're looking at are they scheduling their full plan of care and keeping there. So there's just so many touch points and loss points at the front desk. It's unreal. It's not just one little bucket. It's all these areas that could have a whole. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, I guess we don't really think of it so much in that regards like this. There's so many different levers there at the front desk, right? There's like you are saying, like if they come in, like if they call in, right, it's a brand new patient that, that person being, if they say, Oh, well, do you take, you know, blue cross? And you're like, well, no, like uh, you just lost that opportunity, right? Maybe you're out of network or maybe there's a cash option, right? Yeah. So you have to have someone who's very good at being able to get that person in. And then, once mm-hmm. they're in as a patient, uh, are they keeping all their appointments or are they canceling a lot, right? And there's a lot mm-hmm. of lost revenue there. Or if they owe, and what about their co-pays or deductibles right. that they owe, right? And there's all that mechanism there. So right. you're right. There's like so many parts to that front desk that could be areas of leaky, like a leaky bucket, right? You know, yeah. fill those holes. Um, and yeah. then from the marketing side, I can tell you, like, we work hard to, you know, practice promotions. We work hard to get you new leads,
1: right.
0: but... You know, we'll have we'll have times where uh, a practice has gotten a lot of leads in, but they're not really seeing it translating to new patients. And then you're like, well, how's your front desk doing? And there's a lot of you can see there's like a lot of unanswered calls or, you know, they're not very good at communicating certain things. and, And so all that money that you're spending on marketing is wasted because you're losing them at the front desk.
1: Yeah. And that's where you can get into, I mean, if you look at the big picture can be anywhere from 250 to $500,000 a year that a you know, a mom and pop practice, it's investing in growth and really trying to get ahead and thrive versus just surviving. That's the difference. That's really the difference in being able to just survive or being able to thrive as a practice and really as an owner, get your investment back out of it is really what you're looking at if you don't clean up all those holes and really get some systems in place to manage it.
0: Yeah. So Dee, can you tell us a little bit about your story, kind of how you got to this point?
1: Yeah, yeah, I kind of alluded to it. So I was a PT for 20 years. And Mike started to really look at the market. It was back in 2010, we started looking and we started to realize that we weren't going to survive as a practice, much less thrive, if we didn't do something, because that's when affordable care was kicking in. In Virginia, it was really deductibles were hitting hard and having to really sell, like you said earlier, that patient was getting harder and harder, and we were losing more and more to lower reimbursements. And I started helping him in the practice um, and we were at a financial course and Christopher was saying, make more money, make more money, just make more money. You can make more money. And there's, you know, orthodontists and ophthalmologists and all these cash pay businesses. I'm like, there's only three PTs in this room right now. How do we make more money? And he goes, well, D, you got to look at all the places you're losing money? And I sat there for the next hour while Mike continued to listen to them talk. And I was like, front desk, our arrival rate's down. We're not, you know, our evals do this all day long up and down. We're not collecting what's due consistently. We're not handling insurance verifications and authorizations. And it just became this whole, you know, plans of care weren't being scheduled out. And basically my, my schedule had holes in it consistently. And those holes translated to revenue. And I was like, all right, I've got to fix this. I can't just... It just killed me and i guess it really goes back to something that i thought of earlier is you know every empty spot on your schedule represents two things it represents a patient who isn't getting the care they need and deserve and it represents lost revenue or lost income for the practice and so and it's not just lost income coming in it's also outlay of income right you you're marketing to get 10 evals to call but you only convert two of them that other eight represents lost revenue, right? And so I started looking at it from a very different perspective and I started to look at my team at the front and I didn't have the best team at the front. So I hired, I really put a lot of effort into hiring a great team and they wanted to learn and I started to train them and they were, it was like two sponges, tell me more, teach me more. And so I started to create systems. I worked at the front, created systems that worked for me as a PT and translated it to front desk language, and things just kind of took off in our practice. You know, we had, we doubled in size two years in a row, and then, you know, other owners started asking, and I was like, oh, wait, maybe I could do this, and one day, Mike looked at me, and he goes, you know, we're good here. You're fired. Go do what you've been talking about for the last three years. (laughs) Seven years ago, I left the practice, and I have only stepped foot back in to be a patient, which... I try hard not to do, but it's happened. So that's kind of my story. And for the last seven years, I've both coached private practices, but then I created my front office training academy where they could do it online. And now I, I'm i the guide. I'm the coach and the guide. And mm-hmm. I just really help practices reproduce what I did to help more patients without having to be, you know, pushy or a bully.
0: Yeah, I love it because you do an amazing job with with Thanks. practices. I've just seen such turnaround when they get their front desk dialed in. Now, you know, I know that you talk a lot here about arrival rate, but do you ever hear, I usually hear like cancellation rates. So what what kind of like do you like to focus on with that?
1: Well, I mean, if you consider it arrival rates, really the reverse of cancellation rate, your number one goal, you know, I, I like to look at positive numbers. Um, I could track both right? But when I look at my staff, I want my staff winning, and I want them to see themselves winning. So I switched it from cancellation rate to arrival rate, so that my staff could say 90% of our patients arrived today, or 97% of our patients arrived today, instead of looking at the negative and saying, well, 3% of our patients canceled, I flipped it and just said, well, let's look at 97% of our patients that scheduled ahead of time showed up today. And wow, we're really winning here. Yeah, so they felt I like that much that better. Thanks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> much better. Yeah. Focus on those positive numbers, right? And your team can yeah. get them too. And so as you've coached and looked at a lot of different practices out there, what would you say is sort of the, the average? Like what are what are people what are practices typically coming in at when they front us front desk is not they th- they think it's doing okay?
1: Yeah, anywhere from probably 85 to 90 percent arrival rate is what practices are saying, like, well, it's not that bad. Right. But wow. if you start to really calculate the loss in revenue and the loss in visits and the number of people you could be helping and the outlay of staff in the staff salary when they're sitting there without a patient on the schedule. Now, you now the numbers start crushing down right. on you and you're like, yeah. oh, my gosh, that's a big loss. And so, um, yeah, on average, the, the ones that come to me that are calling, they're like, you know, the 85 to 90 percent. Uh, National average, I think last somebody checked was 88%. I think it's closer to probably 80%. Um, Some of my PEDS practices will tell you it's lower than that. Um,
0: That's a lot understandable in PEDS, obviously sick kids and people like that. Yeah, fun
1: fact though, the ones I've worked with that have used my program consistently, their arrival rates in the 90s.
0: That's awesome. It's such a big difference. I mean, when you think about it, it's like, you know, of the people that should have come in today, 15% of the people did not come that should have come in, right? And you're like you start to think of it that way. It's like, holy cow, that's a lot of people.
1: That was a lot right? of people. And
0: then that's a lot of people that, you know, instead of three times a week, maybe they got seen once that week, you know. Mm-hmm. And and then what does that do to affect their outcome? Yeah. Uh, what does that do for you know, they're being them being a raving fan about your practice, leaving a Google review, probably yeah. lessens that, right? Mm-hmm. And then are they going to recommend you to others? Your word of mouth referrals goes mm-hmm. down because that's not very well handled. So like, it's a snowball effect, right? Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah, People in pain are not going to say that you're amazing people. And you think about it, a patient, if a patient's not consistently meeting their plan of care, and that comes from being a PT, they're not going to advance. Right. And one of the things I see in a lot of practices where they let patients come in only once a week is the patient's just dragging. They're really not getting better. They're kind of just, and they're seeing them for these really long plans of care. Mm -hmm. Well, if you've got these patients that are hanging on for long plans of care they don't see that immediate result they aren't as so it's you're right the snowball effect happens but then at the same time we can't get new patients in so now we have this we we can go we can boast oh we've got this long wait list but the reality is you have a long wait list because your patients aren't getting in getting handled and
0: getting getting
1: back to their life and now I can you know there's it's a long life cycle which it just shouldn't unless you're talking stroke rehab or you know head injuries or really bad orthopedic injuries, it really should be a quick life cycle. You're helping them get that result and get out. And mm-hmm. if we're not doing that, they're not gonna be a raving fan. They're not, they're gonna have their pain's gonna come back. They're more likely to drop out. They there's just so many negative effects of handling that patient and getting them the results they're looking for. So yeah.
0: Have have you seen a correlation between high cancellation rates and high drop-off rates, like patients oh, yeah. completely drop-off. Yeah, there's that,
1: there's that study that was done by that one group um in Rhode Island. And they found that, you know, if a patient's not consistently being seen for at least, it was like 1.96 or 1.98 visits per week, they're more likely to cancel more often. They're more likely to drop out of care and not get results. And um, I don't know, I guess that's just the PT in me still that that kills me to see somebody drop, not get results. Forget the practice in that moment. It's just the, Mm -hmm. did I get that care? And they didn't. So, yeah. yeah.
0: And, and, you know, obviously, so there's the human side of it, right? We're trying to make sure the patient gets the absolute best outcome possible. And that really comes down to the frequency and the delivery and the speed Mm -hmm. of delivery and getting them better as quickly as possible and completely as possible, so that we have a, a really happy patient that goes out and tells others about us, right? So that's really the, the, like the control of that aspect. But then from a business aspect, right the the uh, there's always like hidden costs in everything, right And I okay. think that's sometimes it's very enlightening as you start to do these exercises mm-hmm. as you start to think about the hidden the hidden losses, right the hidden costs. Yeah. and I think that's where front desk issues are is that it's sometimes pretty hidden. I mean, we we kind of say oh it's a certain arrival rate right but you don't really think about the hidden loss yeah. of income and then the other thing I think about there too is that yeah you had the patient cancel but if they if that cancellation statistically will give you a higher drop off rate if that patient was supposed to be in ten times or supposed mm-hmm. to be at twelve times for a complete case and yeah. they drop off at six. You know it's not only the cancellations that you've had but it's also the the entire loss of the rest of the case and that's a hidden loss right
1: right there's another one too i'm going to show it to you right now because this is one of my favorite ones to point out to owners and team members when i'm working with them and if you consider this there's a lot of groups out there that'll tell you well as long as they just reschedule for another day this week we don't count it as a cancellation well, I'm going to debunk that right now and say it most definitely is a cancellation because all arrival rate, first of all, all arrival rate measures is a patient's understanding of your missed visit policy, right? So if they really have good understanding of your missed visit policy, then they know that they need to cancel by this time the business day before. They're respecting you, they're following it. Everybody's winning at that point, too, right? But if you take the belief that, well, if they cancel today for today, as long as my team reschedules them for tomorrow and they're meeting their plan of care, we're good. You're actually still, that's another one of your hidden costs, as you mentioned, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I cancel today, I took the potential of a spot off your schedule, right? I got a therapist sitting there, right? They may not, it may not get filled, but if I reschedule for tomorrow, I've taken up two spots on your schedule for one appointment. So there's a hidden loss or a hidden cost to the practice because You know, and again, you can say, "Well, the staff got this one filled, and they put move them tomorrow." Okay, cool. But there were evals today that couldn't get in for tomorrow because of that patient. And then there's that. You know, you look at that and you say, "Well, now we it's that extra work your front desk has to do." That's where burnout comes in. So you have to look at it in the form of both cost financially, but you have to look at it as cost physically to people, and that's where staff burnout comes in. That's where that that fail comes in and crushes on your front desk too is they a cancellation is a feels like a failure right Mm -hmm. i tried to help this person they didn't let me right and those stack up right so now we have burnout and the staff kind of don't want to deal with that anymore burn out the
0: front desk for sure
1: (laughs) yeah huge
0: so you know now now we we know that there's obviously a big impact from cancellations, people um, not coming for their first appointments, all kinds of things like that from the front desk. What are some of the things that, you know, you specifically see at the front desk as far as the functioning or, or where people can put some attention on to fix things?
1: Yeah, so first is messaging, right? Is the messaging consistent patient to patient, consistent team member to team member, right? So if you and I were working as patient care coordinators, are we putting out the same message? Very often, that's one of the things that practice owners will hear and see. It's like, or patients will pick up on, right? If I allow Sally to cancel, because Sally couldn't get a ride, and I keep letting that become Sally's excuse. But you are like, now, wait a minute, we got to handle this. Now, Sally's going to come at us and be like, well, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And it, it just becomes this upset patient, which we can't afford to have upset patients, right for, for stuff. So we need control. Um, another one is social graces. So we're all brought up most of us anyway, to have a certain belief or a certain behavior in public, right. And so a lot of times, one of the things an owner or manager is going to see is staff that they're afraid to challenge a patient because we they come from that customer service belief of the person is always right. Well, are they right to cancel all the time? No, cuz then they're not getting the care they need to recover. And so there's that that lack that or that that having to give the patient what they want, right? And my good ex- example of this is, is the um, Neil, when when's a good time for you to come in? Or when would you like to come in? And it's kind of like giving you control as the patient to do whatever the heck you want as a patient, <laughs> you know, and now let's think about that. If I give away control, it's like almost impossible to get it back. So now this patient, every time they ask that question, it's like, well, I can only come in every Tuesday and Thursday at five o'clock, And only if it's not raining, and there can't be any like pink unicorns, you know, you you exaggerate it, but like, really think of that, that's where you go. And it's not because the patient's bad. Because we just said, Hey, what do you want? Mm -hmm. Right. And now if we don't have five o'clock, we have to let them down. So now you have upset patients again. Right. And then one of the other ones is the yes, no questions, right? We have to break this habit. It's a control issue. Uh, A yes, no question is something like, so Neil, would you like to reschedule? Right. Mm -hmm. I just gave you the opportunity to say no. And believe it or not, 85% of the time, and probably more as we've gone through the last few years, patients would be like, No, no, I'm coming in on Friday anyway, I'm good. And then now your team can't again regain that control. So there's this there's a there's a mindset, there's certainty, there's control. All of those things really, if they're not in place and you don't have a set of processes and a system in place the patient becomes the one who's in control of their care instead of the team is in control of the patient's care and they guide the patient where they need to go. And that's where drop-offs, MIAs, whatever you want to call them, where they occur, where cancels no shows occur where people don't pay what they're supposed to pay. It just becomes this, like, it's just escalating and snowballing. And now we've got this yeah. snowman that's, you know, a hundred feet and, wide. And it's so,
0: so interesting. Cause like that, that's one thing I just always noticed with your trainings is that it's not, Rocket science on stuff, right? It's like just the way that you say this particular phrase, right? And and it, it, it's a process, it guides them, but it it it's just a lot of times the messaging, right, in the way that and And I I can totally relate to that because, like, if you think that any time that you've gone to a doctor or you've gone to some kind of service and they're like, okay, well, what time works for you? Uh, I've got a Friday, right? And you're like, okay, well, how does 4 o'clock? And they're like, oh, I don't have that spot. And then you're like, okay, do you have a 10? Oh, I don't have that spot either. And you're like, what the heck, right? So you get frustrated as a customer, right? So that's happening on your patient end uh, with that. But um, And then the other one that you were saying, too, was the… you know the kind of what was it It was not oh, I was kind of back to the when.
1: When would you like to reschedule, or would yeah, you like you to like reschedule? reschedule? Right. Yeah.
0: So so yeah. I mean, like, it's not an option. <laughs> it's yeah. like you've got to reschedule. Yeah. You're supposed to get there, have that appointment to get better, and then, like you said, if you don't give them the uh, the option, if if they kind of have the option there, it's like you know what, I can I can just come in, you know, my my regularly scheduled time on yeah. Friday, like you said. It's like gosh, yeah. yeah
1: so there's a lack of control and it's and it truly is that that desire to be nice that desire to be liked there you we don't like a pt practice you know pt multidisciplinary we're in the we are out of all the practitioners out there like anybody that's in that service kind of there to help somebody recover from something right it could be chiropractors too right
0: mm-hmm.
1: we're there to help our patients to get results and it it's a long-term result it's not a short-term result and and we don't hire bad people. That's really where I was going. I mean, if you, if you have bad people on your staff, okay, let's talk. But the reality is we hire, we hire caring good people, but that's, we have to help them to discern the difference between caring about the patient. That is not the same thing as giving the patient what they want. Because when you really care about the patient, you know that without any question, the only way the patient's going to recover is if they come to you. And they get the care that they need. And so it really becomes how do we teach them, right? How do we teach your front desk staff to really be able to see that and see that they have such an integral role, right? And that ability to like really help that patient get care. They're not there to just answer your phones. They're there to be that guide to coordinate care. So whatever providers you have. provide the care.
2: Do you want more freedom in your clinic? Then you need to work on your business, not just in it. The top practice owners know that they need a marketing system that consistently attracts patients from the internet. And at Practice Promotions, we've helped hundreds of practice owners skyrocket to the top of Google and get more new patients from online. Go to practicepromotions.net slash kit to get our free practice marketing sample kit. It includes all our digital marketing tips and tricks that will get you new patients from Google that's practicepromotionsnet slash kit K I T for a free marketing kit. And now back to the show.
0: Yeah. And I, I think it comes back to like you were saying before, like the control, right? So positive control is key at yeah. the front desk. And, and I, you know, if you just think about any, like, really amazing experience that you've had as a, any business right any kind of customer service like at a very being you know, like a nice restaurant or a nice fancy hotel like there's a lot of customer service there but w- one thing you don't get is like a ton of options right because they they're busy they're more exclusive and yeah. and they're but they're walking you through with like a smile of like hey I'm, we're gonna do this next and you're gonna do this next and you're gonna do th-. and you yeah. feel like totally like happy Uh, as you're, as you're going through this journey in scheduling or whatever you need to do with them, I think we can all relate to some point in our, in our lives where we've had a really great experience with a business. And, and if you look at that experience, it's usually because there was good control in what they were trying to have you, you know, do with your own schedule, right?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and again, it's truly you have to just come from it and the the knowledge you're helping the person, but that your help is to get them the care they need. And so when you come at it from that angle, when you teach your staff how to do that effectively, they're winning. You're also helping your staff. Right. And again, it's any training you do for your front office staff is to help them to be successful. It's not to. um it's not because they suck at their job. It's because they really want to help and you're giving them the tools. So they're successful at help. And now it's like, everybody's winning and everybody's happy and we can all focus on the patient and not, we don't feel that pressure or that weight coming down on us.
0: Yeah. I always remember in my practice, you know, we went through a bunch of front desk people, right? For sure. And I was saying the most successful front desk person we ever had was, uh, a very charming, uh, lady. And she was young and she was, uh, uh, like, you know we we're in south florida so she was like a cuban uh you know attitude right so it was she was she had the pleasantness but she was all business too right and she could get people to really do things stay on track keep their keep their appointments and if yeah. you know if they were if they were kind of going off the rails a little bit she was like okay you got to you got to get back on track here like she was like all business when it came to you know making their appointments so it's, i i can tell you from personal experience that that kind of personality that someone who's pleasant and nice but means business at the same time is can really yeah. get the work done.
1: Yeah, and it's important to have that, right? When you're hiring, when you're recruiting, you have to be looking for people who they they recognize their role and they're willing to let you Give them, you know, permission to do that without being the bad guy. We don't. I don't want a witch behind the window in anybody's practice. No, (laughs) we've all dealt with that too. You walked into a doctor's (laughs) office or a surgeon. I did that. My daughter had a um, emergency surgeon appointment that we had to take her to, and it was like during lunch hour. So you could tell this woman already had to stay during her lunch hour to get my insurance stuff and whatever. And she opens the window. And if you've ever seen Monsters Inc., which was one of my youngest daughter's favorite movies when she was little. And she, she was literally like almost that, what do you want? You know, the Roz chick or whatever. And I tell people, I tell patient care coordinators this as I explain it. And I say, I don't want that. I just want you to be able to ha- smile and guide that patient and, you know, help them without, I don't want you to change your personality. I mm-hmm. only want you to change how you say what you're saying so that you get the effect that you're looking for.
0: And so as you're helping front desk uh, training there, like, what are some of the training things that you try to help them with?
1: Um, Well, mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of them come in with the mindset, or if they've been there for years, they have the mindset that, you know, a patient asking, they might have this mindset of, oh, this patient's got a lot of questions, there's no way they're going to schedule, right? So they have to see that the minute you make that decision, that's what you get right? So we start with mindset and we look at control. What does it mean to be in control of the patient's experience? How do we control it without being controlling, right? There's a big difference. So we look at that. Once we establish that and they understand that and, and how to present themselves certainly, to, you know, with certainty to a patient, now we get into really that path that a patient takes through care, right? They have to understand that they are responsible for that path just as much as the provider is responsible for that path, right? So when somebody's calling, okay, now how do we get them to schedule that eval? Okay, cool, now they scheduled. How do we get them to show up for that eval? There are tricks to get them to show up for their eval. And then, cool, they showed up. Oh, now we got to talk about money. And you're asking an employee who's making X dollars an hour to tell a patient who has a $4,000 deductible that they are going to have to pay let's just stick with even numbers, $100 a visit, when they might be thinking, I couldn't pay that three times a week, right? And by the way, that mindset affects scheduling out the plan and care. And Mm -hmm. and it affects being able to handle objections, right? So we have to get them comfortable understanding that there's a difference between work and home and we're here to help this person and that's our goal. And then, okay, cool, now we've got that. We got to get them to schedule out a plan of care. And then we got to get them to show up for all those visits and keep that schedule full. So we look at all of that when we're training the front desk because those are all those buckets where you're losing money. That's where you know you're. You can literally track the metrics on all of these things and say, okay, there's the problem. We need to retrain or train on that and that. So it's important to be able to give them all those tools because with respect, you did not know how to be a PT before you went to PT school, right? Yep. <laughs> you can admit that. Absolutely. You, you and I both know that we went to PT school. We're like, oh, that's what that does. Wait, what's that muscle? You know. And so you spent five. What some of us spent five. Some of us spent eight years to get our degree, and we had to practice over and over again. We had to become masters of our craft. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't get that. And the only place they get that is from you. Yeah. Right. Or And so so that's
0: that's a key thing, right? Is that that for many practices, they may not have a robust enough training process, right? Uh, To Mm -hmm. help their front desk be the most successful that they can. So you bring in a person that's willing and able from the get-go, but if they don't have the right training, then you're not really setting them up for success.
1: Yeah. You know, I mean, if you're not hiring willing and able people- we should talk about that. But that's 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 your hiring process, right? Your hiring process should be weeding out anybody who's not both willing and able, right? Willingness is I'm willing to do the job. I'm willing to learn the job. I'm willing to get an extra, even if I worked in another medical practice, I'm willing to sit down and learn the right way to do something in your practice. Cause everybody's practice is different. Cool, now we've got that. Now we gotta make sure they're able right? And able takes two things. It takes aptitude. Aptitude is your ability to follow directions the first time through without a lot of push and pull from somebody else. No, I don't have to keep re-educating you on the same thing over and over again. I train you, I practice with you, I put you on post. That's right. That's aptitude. Mm-hmm. And, and aptitude is also a piece of being able to take something and re- and apply it, not just repeating a script, but being able to think with it and use it and use it for success. That's aptitude. The other side of it is training, right? A person is only as able as you train them, right? So I can hire the best freaking staff. But if I put them do on the job training, and I just throw them at the front desk, I'm going to get exactly what I trained for. And I'm going to have somebody who burns out very quickly because they're going to stack up those failed attempts to help. And and that's on me as an owner, so yeah. those are those are that's how you hire somebody,
0: okay, right, and yeah, get so them that, really
1: posted, if you will.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a key thing there. Like uh, I've seen where practices can struggle is is you have to hire the right person, right? So uh, that's a great thing that you just said about aptitude, right? So that's one thing, a characteristic, right, that you're looking for in, for someone in that particular role. Uh, Can they, can they follow directions the first time? Can they repeat things back the first time? Right. Like Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a great thing to do, to do there. Um, Let's talk here a little bit about metrics. Like, is that something that you see practices don't keep very good metrics on?
1: I think it's 50, 50, to be honest with you. I think practices, a lot more practices are starting to, or are tracking things. I think there's so much information out there. There's so many things your EMR, depending on the EMR you're using, can do. And it's figuring out what's the best metrics to track. And first of all, metrics tell the story. If you're not tracking metrics, you don't know what to fix. You don't know what's working. You don't know what's not working. And it really sets you up for that constant cycle of coping as a practice owner. And you and I have lived through that, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. we know what that's like. But on top of that, the metrics tell you, a, if you have a really good, you have to have a successful system, you have to have something that your staff, like I said earlier, can follow and have a system of success to use to get the results you need, right? So if you don't have a good system in place, okay, that's the first pl- place you have to look. But then when you start to look at metrics, you say, okay, well, the arrival rates down. Well, if you think back to what I said earlier, arrival rate is simply a measurement of how well a patient understands your visit policy. Okay, mm-hmm. cool. Now that I know that, I'm not guessing here. I can just be like, okay, we had a high rate of same day cancels and no shows last week. Okay, team, guess what we're doing in today's staff meeting? We are going to practice this process and we're going to drill it back out again for success. That's metrics. Um, They're not there just to go, woo, we're hitting our targets or, woo, we suck. They're there to say, hey, we're doing what's working, fist bumps all around. Hey, something maybe fell out. Maybe a patient yelled at us and we shifted something. We're not doing it the way we were doing it before. Okay, cool. Let's go back and practice. But if you don't have a system in place that gets success and then training and train your team up, okay, that's the first place you have to look. But if you have all of that and the metrics are still, or you're not tracking metrics, they could be all over the place. You're not tracking them. You got to get that in place and really get it in place for your staff to be successful.
0: What would you say are like the, the critical metrics for you to look at at the front desk?
1: so there's five that we use and they have kept us at a very high rate of you know success as a practice we can i can use those metrics from a thousand miles away and know exactly what's going on in the clinic right so the first one is conversions um different 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 uh people look at it differently there's call rate which a lot of practices use i look at the the result of call rate right because i'm looking at the product of what what is the percentage of people my staff talk to that they're converting to an eval, right? So let's say 10 people called this week that need evals, what's the percentage of them that we got on the schedule? Okay, Mm -hmm. now I've got that number good. And we want that number to be 90% or above because you are investing in marketing and promotion, you need your remember, I said, you need to be cycling new patients through your practice. Next is there's arrival rate and arrival rate. There's two parts to arrival rate. There's new patient arrival rate. And then there's current patient arrival rate. Those two, you have to know both and you have to know what helps you to be successful at both. Because if you don't know what gets increases, both of them, one or both could be low. Mm -hmm. You have to know the difference. And then there's, um, There's collections, so over-the-counter collections should be roughly 98% or 100% between that number for me, ideally, because that means we're collecting at the time of service. And I like to tell people, look, Target never lets you walk out the door without paying. You can't let your patients walk out the door. You should know what they owe and get them to pay. So that's three. The next one is visits kept per week. So that is um, my provider's, let's say this patient, you're my patient and I prescribe three times a week. Are you actually scheduling and showing up for three times a week? Because as a provider, I know that's what you need for success. And then the last one is schedule utilization. And I leave that last because that one is the office manager. If you have an office manager, that is their metric. And your front desk still manages it, but it is your. it tells you how well the manager is actually effectively ensuring their staff is meeting all of those other numbers because all of those other numbers affect how full your schedule is consistently.
0: Those are definitely awesome numbers to be tracking at the front desk for sure. And so one, I know in today's world, like one of the issues that comes up is retention, right? Staff retention. So what are some of the things that, that you've seen, or you, you advise people to keep good front desk people?
1: Yeah, so fun fact, it's it's actually one of the emails that's going, it's been a series of emails going out to all my owners that are in my academy right now. So it's when, so it's funny that you asked that we're actually on the weeks, the three weeks of retention, or the three emails of retention. And there's three things that you really need for retaining good staff, right? I already said training, right? That's part of your hiring process, but training, so encouragement is one, right? So you have to be encouraging your staff to take responsibility, for their position. So, you do that through training. You do that by really looking and listening and making sure that they're using what you've trained them to do and meeting with them if they're not, right? Um, but also, encouragement is the fist bump. Like I said, so if you're using it and you're being successful and I was listening to you, I'm going to be like, fist bump, Neil, that's freaking awesome. If you're not using it or you're struggling to use it, it's just a simple part of encouragement is just having that simple question of, like, hey, what's going on? Right, let's talk about that. Or how'd that call go for you? Or what did you notice on that call? And you're you're doing it right then and there. You're not, oh, I'll get to it in our monthly meeting.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right? That's, so that's number one is encouragement. The next one is accountability. So that's metrics, right? If you want to retain good staff, you have to show them that they're winning. Or when they're not winning, help to retrain them so that they can win. And then the third thing is supervision. You should be looking and listening, making sure your staff are, you know, how's it going today? Going great, awesome. Need anything? No, or oh my god, I had ten cancels this morning. Oh man, what are you going to do about that? And they're like, right, because you've already done all these things to make sure that they're successful. You're not stepping in and being like, do this, this, this. You're like, hey, what you can do about that, or what? Do you, what can you do about it? And you're like, I'm going to do this. Well, part of supervision is coming back and making sure they did it, and then again, go back to encouragement, that high five on. Well done, you know. And so, if if you want to, this is my experience. If you want to retain good staff, it's not always just about the money. Sure, people want to get paid well. They want to be, you know, you can bonus them for excelling in production. But if you really want to retain great staff, they want to be there. It's those three things: encouragement, accountability, and supervision, so that they know that they're being seen and heard and acknowledged.
0: Mm-hmm. Awesome, love it. Yeah, Thanks. and I, you know, having that key front desk person with you as long as possible is, is really a make or break for the practice, right? Yeah. So if it's a high turnover position, then you definitely need to look at, you know, are you hiring the right person? Do you have the right processes in place? Do you have the right training there to make them successful? Yeah. And then are they, you know, they have that, you know, accountability uh, yeah. component to it. And are they getting, uh, I mean, do you see uh, as far as like pay, like where, where like rewards or bonus systems work well on the front desk?
1: talking to somebody about this today too um yes and no right not everybody is motivated by money right but everybody is motivated by being a good employee which i'm assuming that you have a good employee when i'm saying this but everybody's motivated by winning everybody wants to win they want to be successful now when they're successful now you're successful now you can reward them at a higher rate but i but bonus bonus things should never come for doing your job actually got schooled on that Suzette who was one of my first one of my first hires she schooled me on that she was like don't pay don't 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 offer to bonus me until I hit those numbers you want me to hit and I exceed them and then you know pay me more or whatever and so I um you know I've I've always followed that piece of advice that she gave me and again you just have to remember that good staff want to produce, they want to be successful. And when you give them everything they need to be successful, and they are, you're not going to be as stressed about giving somebody a bonus when they achieve, Mm -hmm. you know, when they go beyond their set target for their salary.
0: Gotcha. Awesome. Great advice there. So D, some great, great insight here today in how to make your front desk more successful. Uh, How can people learn more about what you do?
1: Yeah, you can go to frontofficeguru.com and if and poke around, there's so much information there for you. But um, if you're really looking to make a change, if you're looking to take your front desk to the next level, that's, that's what I do. My systems are very much proven for success. I give you everything you need. You can schedule a free strategy session and we can talk about your goal and really look at how the program can help you to achieve that goal and overcome any of the struggles that you're having.
0: Yeah, I love it. I've checked it out. It's awesome. Go to FrontOfficeGuru.com. I uh, actually had the pleasure of working with Dee on some of the, the back end systems and things like that. And she's she's a total whiz when she's figured all this stuff out from the front desk uh, side of things and training. So definitely check it out, FrontOfficeGuru.com. And there's a bunch of free tips and advice on there anyway. So good yeah. stuff uh, for, for you and your practice. So, Dee, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. Uh, it's really great to have your, um, you know, download your knowledge to our audience. So, um any final words of advice before we wrap up here?
1: Yeah, thank you so much i this is I love doing stuff like this. I love helping practices practice owners to you know take things to the next level. But if I can give you any advice before I go today, no matter what you do, make sure that you invest in your front desk, you invest in your providers so that they are always up on their skills. You should be doing equally the same amount for your front desk staff so that they are winning because when they're winning, you're winning and their patients are winning. And that's really the goal for all of us.
0: That's right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dee. Appreciate it. And so to all our listeners out there, this is uh, Neil Trickett with the Practice Marketing Podcast and wishing you much success in your business.
2: Thank you for listening to the Practice Marketing Podcast. Don't forget to get your free practice marketing sample kit at practicepromotions.net slash kit. Start 2024 off the right way by building marketing systems that automatically attract new patients from online. That's practicepromotions.net slash kit.